Hello and welcome to Touching the Sunrise podcast. I am Sister Catherine Herms, author of Surviving Depression, A Catholic Approach, and Reclaim Regret, How God Heals Life's Disappointments, and Spiritual Guide in the Heartwork Program, which specializes in helping people walk the road of spiritual growth and inner healing. For the past 10 years, I have been walking alongside wonderful women and men who want a more heart-centered and spiritual life, but would like support along the way, through online programs, groups, and one-on-one spiritual guidance. I walk with people along a contemplative and healing path, one that has been trodden for thousands of years. Basically, I'm here to help you surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, who has come to make your being the throne of the Holy Trinity, so that your life, your prayer, your relationships, your dreams and goals will most deeply satisfy the desires of your heart. You can find out more about me and what God has led me to do in the world by visiting my website, touchingthesunrise.com. Hello and welcome to Touching the Sunrise podcast. I have here with me Jeanette. Thanks for inviting me, sister. And we're talking about depression. We're in the middle of a six-part series that complements the new release of the book Surviving Depression, A Catholic Approach. And it's in its third edition. And it's been translated into 12 languages. And if you've been following along in this series, you will realize that we're taking in each show a separate event, an image of Mary. And that's the the lens, if you will, through which we're looking at depression. You may not make that association right away, but we have obviously a great deal to learn um, from the way she handled things in her life and handled darkness, um, which is around all of us at times. Mm -hmm. Um, So last time, um, the image that we shared was a very sad image, the image of Christ being taken down off of the cross and Mary's tenderness and gentleness in receiving his body. And this time, um, we're going sort of back in time in that story and we're looking at an image of the Annunciation. And if you are able to look at it along with us, that's great. If not, look at it later. It is, I think, exceptionally beautiful. Um, It's an image, a a painting by Henry Osawa Turner. And he's someone who traveled a great deal in the Holy Land and was very influenced by what he saw there. And in this image, um, Mary's an adolescent, a young girl, obviously just awoken from her bed. She's wearing Middle Eastern peasant clothes. The angel Gabriel is just this shaft of light that's shining on her. And it's just an exceptionally beautiful, beautiful image. And it's one we're going to be using today as we explore depression a little bit more. Mm -hmm. One of the amazing things about this image is that it almost looks like uh, the angel Gabriel interrupted her 
in a very mundane, ordinary part of life, almost like getting out of bed. Getting out of bed, looks like <laughs> You know, it. just, just like the morning period uh, when you're just trying to get your life together, that is when the angel Gabriel appeared. You're used to seeing images that are much more stage looking. She's all dressed up. She looks like she's ready to go to a party. <laughs> yes, yes. But in here, it looks like she still has a robe on. Yeah. It's a very gentle, mm -hmm. gentle image. And the ordinariness of this almost contrasts so starkly with the words the angel Gabriel said to her about her child. Right. And I just want to read through those. First of all, he says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now, he says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And this is the promise she hears about this son. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You're right, that's quite a contrast because those are, are stirring words and they're complex thoughts. And mm -hmm. here's this young girl sitting on the edge of her bed, and yet she doesn't look afraid in mm -hmm. this image. There are words, too, that hearken back to the Temple of Jerusalem right. built by Solomon, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Zion, Mount Zion, all these images of the glory of, of the people of Israel. And, and the angel saying, he will be the one who will sit on the throne of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So there is an eternal trajectory here, an eternal trajectory. Right. Which is stepping outside of what the Israelites were looking for in a Messiah. So. Yes, yes. So he almost breaks open, right. breaks everything open. And here in Tanner's image is just this woman, this child, they say she was probably 15 years old. I mean, an ordinary moment of an ordinary life. Um, and it makes me think that if I were there, I entered the convent at 15, so I can kind of refer back to right. what that was like. If I were uh, in the place of Mary, I would be really rattled <laughs> by, by this invitation to become the mother of God. I would be you know, worried, I'd be anxious, I'd be trying to think ahead, what is this going to mean? Am I going to be able to do this? I'd be rattled. I suspect you were, though, at, the, at, at your, because this is the beginning of, of vocation for both of you. Mm -hmm. This was the beginning of Mary's vocation as essentially mother to the world, and the beginning of your vocation as a daughter of St. Paul. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that many of the same swirling anxieties were present for mm -hmm. both of you at mm -hmm. the beginning of something that's that big, that's mm -hmm. that life-demanding. Mm -hmm. I remember being in the airport with Sister Annette, who I entered with, who since has gone to heaven. And um, her family and my family were there waiting for the airplane, waiting for to, to um, board the airplane. And um, just the amount of tension and nervousness and having to say goodbye to something that I lived you know, in my childhood, to begin something new and how nervous I was. 
Um, and no matter how <clears throat> wonderful and important that new thing is, it's still a change, and change is mm -hmm. difficult. So it was beautiful entering the convent, um, but it's nerve-wracking too. You know, there's all these mm -hmm. rules now, there's expectations, everything in the culture is new. You're almost beginning all over again to learn so many new and beautiful things to take on a whole new um, a whole new, deeper sense of, of the Catholic life, of Christian tradition, of the spiritual world, all of those things. So as we enter into something that big and that new, of course, you know, you want to control it, you want to make sure you do it right, you know, all those things that in this image and even in the scriptures, we don't see Mary doing, right? You know, there was a certain... Right. Um, inner peace about her. There was a certain interior purity that we see in this image. And in her response, there was a purity of intention and there was a trust. She looks very calm. That's the thing that I have <clears throat> to go back to is that she just looks so accepting yes. and so calm. Be it unto yeah. me. Yes, those are her words. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Not here am I, I think I will do that, I can do that, or I'd yeah, love I to can do that. It. Yeah. I can handle it, but here am I, the servant of the Lord. And in our truest self, in the deepest ground of our being, that's who we are. We're made by God, loved by God, loved into being at every moment. I'm surrendering to God, you know. Here am I, she's surrendering to Him, trusting in this love that if God has His plan, God has a plan the whole way through, you know. Mm -hmm. Here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. And then the scriptures say, then the angel departed from her. So you can imagine in this that image. Light dissipating dissipating and the regular light coming back. Maybe it's uh, shadows, maybe the sun is, you know, not in the window. It must have felt very dark <clears throat> when the angel world. departed. Yeah. And now, she was very alone. And now we have to pick up the ordinary life in an extraordinary way. Yeah. And what is that way? And what is that and way? What is and that what way? stands in the way of that? What stands in the way of that? So when I was, I was thinking about if it had been me, <laughs> um, I would have felt very rattled as we were talking about. And I was trying to think, why would I have felt rattled? Um, I know I, I'm an all or nothing person, so I would probably have been thinking like, can I really do this? You know, can I really do it perfectly? <laughs> Can I do it all the way? Because if not, I don't want to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, you know, I look, I look, and I would have seen it as a personal thing mm -hmm. um, that had something to do with me personally. Um, you know, wanting to control everything that happened around me to make sure I did it right. There's so many uh, filters right. in my thinking that would have come in that would have made me um, almost distracted from what mm -hmm. the angel had said, almost distracted from God's plan because I would have been um, kind of lost in making my own plans. But isn't that one of the things that makes her so extraordinary? Yes. Because I think that it's not just you. I think it's for most of us <clears throat> that there are all these different 
fragmentations or ways that we deal with things, which is, of course, I'm sure, you know, things that you, you've dealt with in, in the book Surviving Depression, but all these thought patterns that uh -huh. aren't real. They're things mm -hmm. that we create in our heads. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we've got this young woman, this, this simple young woman, just sitting there calmly and simply, um, to me, that shows <laughs> really graphically the difference between her and the rest of us because yeah. most yeah. of us um, would have some thought patterns there that wouldn't be very healthy. Yeah, and those thought patterns, actually, the stronger they become, they become like this filter yes. through which we see reality. Right. And um, you could think of looking through a glass and when the glass is covered with all types of... Um, you know, smudges, you, you can't really see through the glass. Mm -hmm. you, you might see something moving and think it's an animal or instead of a person. You can't really see what truly is there. And our thought patterns, we filter reality through them also. So where does this filter come from? We said it's made up many times of our thoughts. But it's not only thoughts, it's thoughts, beliefs, values. And a lot of the times, these are kind of um, created and built up from our earliest experiences in life. From our ongoing experiences. Ongoing even. experiences yes. life. Memories that we've had. Um, choices that we've made. Uh, addictions that we may have developed along the way. And they're often unconscious. We don't even realize they're there. I think more often than not, they are unconscious, actually. Mm -hmm. I think that we just go along and, we, and you know, sometimes it's enough to get through the day mm -hmm. without being too reflective mm -hmm. about one's life or what, what one is mm -hmm. doing. And then you find suddenly that, you know, maybe, my, I'm, maybe I'm not seeing reality the way reality really is. Mm -hmm. And today, especially with social media, um, we have the tendency to create an echo chamber right. of what we believe personally, um, what we value, uh, the way we think about things. Um, we, we create echo chambers, we, we unfriend people mm -hmm. that don't, don't agree with us, that mm -hmm. we don't like to speak with. Um, social media in itself has these little algorithms and if you don't click on things, they disappear. So in the end, you create a little social environment of people who are basically supporting everything that you think and feel and say. We, we turn this out even into our friendships and we, we become friends with people who agree with us we have less and less of an ability and capacity to really be friends and speak about issues in ways that we can look at the pros and the cons from all different perspectives. And accept that there is a different point of view than ours and, and it's valid. Respectfully, even if we don't espouse it, that it is a valid point of view. Yes, and so when that filter gets in the way, all we really are seeing is ourselves. It's a mirror. It's a mirror of ourselves. But it's a funhouse mirror because it's not even real. Yes, yes. So when we look at the Annunciation, Mary has that purity that she's able to simply hear what the angel is saying for what it is. And to see herself for who she is. She's the handmaid of the Lord. That's all right. she is. Mm -hmm. And she can be at peace in that way. So let's talk about some of the different um, distortions, cognitive distortions, that can get in the way of our being at peace, right. of our having that inner purity of intention. I'll, I'll well, start with one. Yeah. Go ahead. 
<laughs> the um, all or nothing, I already kind of mentioned it. All or nothing is very prevalent. Um, at least I think it is, because it's very prevalent in me. Um, and the all or nothing person, person with all or nothing thinking, everything has to be um, perfect or is completely imperfect. There's no in-between. Things have to be either right or they're wrong. Either they're black or they're white. Um, and we minimize, we end up minimizing the positive aspects of our life because they're not completely positive. Everything in life has both positive and negative. If we're only going to be happy and at peace when something is entirely positive, entirely light, entirely happy, with nothing of the darkness within it or the suffering or the journey, um, the shadow, we're never going to be happy. And so when we're talking about surviving depression, this is one really important thing to, to look at ourselves and say, when I'm going through my day, how am I thinking? Can I mm -hmm. see the light and the dark? Right. Or when something that I do isn't absolutely perfect, am I thrown into the dumps because of that? How is it, How are my moods reflected? Uh, in the in what happens during the day and do I have a bit of this distortion where it's either got to be all perfect or um, is totally a disaster that must be exhausting it is it exhausting but I'm exhausting still here I do still here. live <laughs> um, but really I think I would be a lot happier I think so I <laughs> if think I didn't have this little probably distortion less tired <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what mine is. Mine is catastrophizing. I am able to go from zero to panic in about five seconds flat. Um, I recently applied to um, refinance my cottage, my mortgage. Mm. And that involves a lot of questions from the mortgage company and a lot of papers to produce. Uh -huh. And I had a special folder in my email inbox that came from the mortgage company. And every time I would see that a, an email had come in there, my stomach would just drop. Oh my goodness, I'm sure that they're saying no. It must be them saying no. Of course it wasn't, but my, my automatic reaction is always, oh no, it's the worst possible thing that could happen. <laughs> I do this when I'm awake at night, <clears throat> three in the morning, and think about all the things wrong with my life and the world, and oh my gosh, nothing's going to go right tomorrow. And the next day, I'm still looking. I'm always looking for something to become a catastrophe because I'm so afraid of that. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as though my, you know, my coping mechanism is to say, well, of course it's going to be a disaster. And that way, when it is a disaster, I'm not surprised. I'm not <laughs> sure it's a very healthy coping mechanism, but it's certainly <laughs> what I've been doing. And part of surviving depression is being able to, to sort of keep that fear in check. Mm -hmm. And especially as a Catholic, to, you know, I, I think to, for me to be able to say, God's in control. Stop being so afraid. You're not the one creating things. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not, you're, you're creating this in your mind, mm -hmm. but, but your life is pretty much under control. God's got you in this mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll tell you, as I said, from zero to panic in no time flat. So mm -hmm. that's my issue. And when I think of Mary's life, mm -hmm. um, from what you said, 
There are so many things that happened in her life that she could have catastrophized. She could have oh, yes. gone to the nth degree. Oh my heavens, I've lost the Son of God. <laughs> Where is he when he was in the lost temple. in the yeah. temple? You yeah. know, or when she's at at the end. You know, which is this sort of, as, as Frederick Beekner said, this kind of cruddy motel that she can't even stay in the in the cruddy motel. She's in the barn behind it, and she's probably saying, "Oh my gosh." Son of God is being born in a, in a stable. This is terrible. This is not going to end well. No, she didn't do that. She didn't do any of those things. And standing at the foot of the cross. Here yeah. she was uh, promised that he would reign forever. His kingdom would have no end. And he's being executed. And he's being executed as a common criminal. You know, so, yeah. um, so part of that really is, as you said, that faith that we all have received a promise in our lives. In our baptisms, that promise that God is with us, God is in us. Um, we are, uh, you know, we're like a vine. We're, we're a branch on the vine. You know, God isn't going to let us go. And, um, right. Right. yeah, so we can trust that love of God for us. Um, another one that's kind of interesting is filtering. And um, I do this all the time. And, and it's amazing, you know, we can laugh at these, but when I think back at them on different instances, even in my recent weeks, <laughs> when I do these, I'm in tears afterwards, you know, because they really do affect the way we feel, the way we see ourselves, the way we consider ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really important to kind of watch how do I think, but the the defense mechanism or the um, cognitive distortion of filtering where we only hear the things that we choose to notice sort of like your example of social media mm -hmm. it's the same mm -hmm. idea isn't it or yes yeah and and also you know i live in a community of 60 sisters so you know when it, we know when when the superior says you know x y or z this would be helpful this would not be helpful um could someone do this and et cetera, et cetera. all it's all me and i filter out all the extenuating circumstances and all of a sudden i put it all on myself i become responsible for everything it's all up to me <laughs> and of course I collapse under the weight of it all because there's only 24 hours in a day and I'm sleeping for some of those you know I can't do all the things that she's talking about but she's talking to a community of 60 people <laughs> mm -hmm. and I forget that part you know I filter all the reality out and I take on myself um, only I take on myself responsibility it isn't mine right right well mm -hmm. and that that tallies quite nicely with my other one um, which is self-blame if mm -hmm. something goes wrong in the world it's my fault mm -hmm. if there's a tornado in the Midwest it's probably my fault mm -hmm. um, which is actually you know horrible thinking because it's it's implying that I am in charge and only God is in charge mm -hmm. but I will feel guilty over just about anything um, mm -hmm. if someone misunderstood what I said oh my gosh it was my fault I should have expressed myself better no sometimes it's just a problem with communication mm -hmm. um, if I don't get through my to-do list oh my gosh oh my gosh you know I'm a terrible person because I didn't get through my to-do list mm -hmm. and blaming yourself all the time really means that you're always focused on yourself mm -hmm. and that's not healthy either mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And Mary really shows us, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. She focused yes. yeah. on the Lord. Exactly. Another one that's really kind of subtle is it's called demanding change. And it's when we demand that another change in order for me to be happy. This is oh, really yes. easy to fall into. It so is. we're having a relationship problem uh, in a family or with friends or at work. And it's like, you need to stop doing this or you need to and start then it'll doing be all fun. that. And everything would be okay if you would change. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is we can't control another person. So it doesn't mean that we just have to sit there and take everything. But we can look at ourselves and say, and we can even say to the, to the other person, the next time you do X, Y, or Z, I am going to do this. I'm going to walk away. The next time you yell at me, I'm going to walk away and come back only when it's calm. So we're not demanding change on the other person. We're telling the other person this is unacceptable behavior. And this is how and I And this is how I will respond until we can speak together again. So I love that, like not, because we can be stuck for our whole lives because the other people haven't done these things that would make me happy, make my life run well, uh, take away my problems, and it will never work. So we almost are casting ourselves into this endless conundrum. It's never going to be resolved through that. Well, I'm listening to us, and of course, what, what's coming to me as, we, as we've been going through some of these things is what a weight all of this puts on us, mm -hmm. all of these different distorted thoughts mm -hmm. that, that, you know, just no wonder we're depressed in a uh -huh. sense, you know, no wonder this all adds up to that because what a weight to be carrying around with us that we have to be perfect, that others... Um, that we should be in control of how others act, that we should be in control of the... I mean, all these things. How mm -hmm. exhausted are we all? Mm -hmm. and, and all of us have a steady diet of one or more of these um, mm -hmm. distorted thought patterns. But it's important to really recognize your own uh, negative thought patterns and also the emotions that accompany them. Because we want to be able to replace these thought patterns with thoughts that bring peace. So for example, instead of thinking I'm useless, um, I'm a failure, which only makes us feel more depressed, we might learn to be able to say things like, I'm a hard worker when I feel well. At this moment, I have to be gentle with myself and trust in God's help. So it's almost recognizing what is that initial thought that kind of derails us and makes us almost um, automatic, go on autopilot, not even be able to see reality anymore because we're whipped up into this storm in order to stop and replace it with something that is true. One of the things that I notice and, and, and I'm sure that our listeners notice is that all of these thought distortions mean that we're magnifying what's negative in our lives. Um, Actually, I've read that it's, we spend 90% of our time dwelling on the negative things, which means only 10% is celebrating what's good, what's positive, what's beautiful. <laughs> um, and, and this gets back to what you were talking about in our first podcast, Sister, about really looking to gratitude. Um, 
adding a special time of gratitude into your day, even if it's just a few minutes, um, mm -hmm. to be able to, to get rid of some of that 90% of negative, to get rid of mm -hmm. some of these distorted thoughts and say, mm -hmm. but there's so much that's beautiful. Thank you, God. Mm -hmm. um, and I think too, if you, you start a gratitude journal, you can mm -hmm. even get an app to do it on your phone. Right. Or you just, notice every hour what's one thing I can be grateful for whatever it yeah. also helps you to be able to see the positive as it's happening in your life so it kind of corrects the distortion right. in a right. sense the it's like more you do glasses. it the more you do it the more you will do it because yes. it gets easier and it gets more natural and it gets mm -hmm. more automatic and mm -hmm. you may at first have to, you know, do a, like a little gratitude space, all right, from 3 to 3.05, I'm going to think about gratitude today. <laughs> but that grows, that flowers, you know, what you, what you spend your time and attention on is what is going to manifest in your life. And if you spend your time and attention on distorted thinking, then that's what people are going to see, and that's what you're going to experience. Mm -hmm. If you spend your time in gratitude, that's what you're going to manifest. Mm, very good, yeah. This is a little process that might help our listeners also for stopping these automatic negative thoughts that spiral out of control. So when we're talking about um, making a change, we're talking about becoming conscious of an established thought pattern. These, these thought patterns have been established for years, decades of our life you know if it's been 25 years it's a quarter of a century and that sounds like a really long time it does when you put it that way it does. so they have a strong hold on us um but to recognize what is a thought pattern women just one thought pattern that that isn't really helping me and to reevaluate how i frame a situation um, how I look at it, how I judge it, how I evaluate it, and to reflect on whether my ideas about myself and others actually reflect truth or reality. So here are some steps that you could take. What, the first step is by what I call the journalist step. Um, just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> Tell the story, what happened, but stick to the facts and only the facts. No what? feelings, Where? no Who? interpretation, yeah. no bias, no resentment, nothing. Well, what happened? Who was there? What were you doing? And when did it happen? Period. So simply by forcing yourself to come down to the who, what, when, where, why, mm -hmm story, right. you've filtered out the things that cause that initial anxiety and uh, reaction right. and cause a distorted thinking. Then um, I, I have people describe their moods in one word, one, only one word. So after when this happened, what's one word to describe how you felt? Was it fear? Or was it irritation? Was it guilt? Did you have several feelings? What was the strongest one word feeling around this situation? Then I asked people, what were, the th what were you thinking at the time the situation occurred? Mm -hmm. What are the thoughts and images that come to your mind related to that situation? And really just write them out. Maybe it's, I never do anything right. 
I can't do this on my own. What's going to happen to me? Um, what's going to happen to me if I lose my cottage? You know, what's going to happen if I don't get that mortgage? Um, what's going to happen to me? You know, all, what are all, just write down the thoughts, getting them out of your head and on paper is really helpful. And then turn the thoughts on their head. Take each thought and turn it to its opposite. So for example, I never do anything right. What's the opposite of that? I have done things right. Not mm -hmm. that I do everything right, which mm -hmm. would be all or nothing, but I have done some things right in my life. Um, so how is this true? Like, can you give me three things in your life that you've done correctly? Right. Uh, that you've done well, that you've done um, according to values. Mm -hmm. And of course you can stop and go, oh yeah, I remember that time when I was a little girl. I remember 10 years ago when I helped out on such and such a project. I remember last week. So all of a sudden you're, you're, you're kind of turning on its head these thought filters or thought patterns that are distorted and make no sense. In the end, they don't make any sense. And as we see in the Annunciation, they almost uh, make it more difficult, if not impossible, to, to truly yes. mm -hmm. hear what God is asking of us in every situation. And as you were just saying, to say yes, because the Annunciation didn't just happen to Mary, uh, whatever, 2,000 years ago or over. Denunciation happens to us many times a day when God is saying, can you love this person? Would you be able to forgive that person? Could you help this other person? Um, you're writing something right now. Can you say this? You know, mm -hmm. all the inspirations that we want to be able to hear in our life that Mary could hear. You know, we don't have angels standing in front of us. Um, but God speaks to us, you know, sometimes through human angels, right. quote angels, right. um, sometimes an inspiration of the heart. And we want to be able to really hear in truth and reality what he's saying. So when we turn our distorted thoughts on their heads, we begin to notice a shift in our feelings. So mm -hmm. we're talking about depression, surviving depression. And um, of course, when we talk about it, we all know that there are many different uh, causes for depression, forms for depression. Um, many times people need therapy or counseling, um, direction, some people need medication. Um, some of us though with our garden variety depression, <laughs> um, we, we, we just need to look at how am I thinking right. and to make a new practice of, of rewriting them almost, mm -hmm. returning them on their heads and coming up with a new framework out of which we see life, a framework that is more true. And then we can choose one small step in this situation toward our goals, what we want to be, who we want to be. 
Yeah, change your thinking and change your life, really. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's one of the core things that surviving depression does talk about is that mm -hmm. there are things that are under your control, and mm -hmm. you should be you should be doing something with them. Yeah, um, our founder often called it sanctification of the mind, and for him, I like that. That was central that mm -hmm. we sanctify our minds and. Um, is central in his spirituality, but it is immensely practical because it is our thoughts that kind of spin out into the way we feel and in the way we, we act or can't act in situations. And I want to go back briefly to this painting because the, the last thing that I'm left with is a sense of glow, of glowing mm -hmm. light, of a glowing woman, of a glowing angel. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the opposite of the darkness and the starkness of depression, mm -hmm. that this glow, this light, this amazing thing mm -hmm. um, is something to try to carry in your heart, mm -hmm. as well as trying to change your, your thinking, is, mm -hmm. to, is to change your heart and bring that light into your heart. Mm -hmm. and, and through this um, transformation, rewriting, rewiring, whatever you like to call it, and um, that window does become spotless. Um, we too will be able in our life, no matter what's happening, to repeat, as I'm sure she did many times in her life, those first words to God, here am I, the servant, the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done with me according to your word. Yeah. Thank you so much. God bless you, Jeanette. God, God bless, bless you, sister. Everybody. Everyone listening. And we'll see you next time. God has amazing ways of knocking on people's hearts, awakening desires, arousing questions, provoking an unexpected spiritual fire. Remember, if you'd like some extra support and are ready to embark on a sustained spiritual journey, you can connect with me in a number of ways by going to my website, touchingthesunrise.com. So until the next time, take care of yourself. And remember that you are not alone. You are loved no matter what. And when you search within yourself, you will not only find yourself, but the throne of the divine trinity. You have a calling, a mission, and every gift, every grace, every moment, even every fall, mistake, and sin is a step toward your completely and wholly being taken up into the mystery of God's love for you and for all creation. Remember always that you have a treasure of inexpressible joy hidden in an earthen vessel, small and fragile. May this overflowing joy fill you and yours with its fragrance. God be with you.